Welcome to Dreamers to Leaders, Keeping It Real with Melody podcast. Melody is a classic dreamer who started as a flight attendant and worked her way to now a tech fashion trendsetter, thought leader, and dynamic entrepreneur in various industries. This podcast is for the dreamers and doers. Learn how to think, act, and speak big as business leaders share how they turned from dreamers to leaders. Hello and welcome to the Dreamers to Leaders podcast. I'm your host, Melody. If you're one of those who wish to build a soulful business, this episode is for you. Our guest today is an international speaker, a transformational coach, has a master's in business administration, an author, and the founder of Designing Transformation, which is a company that awakens human potential. Ladies and gentlemen, please help me welcome Leanne Bridges. Welcome to the show. Oh, thank you so much. It's such a pleasure. All right. So let's start. Are you ready? I'm ready. I'm excited. (laughs) Let's do this. So uh, for our audience out there, let's give them um, a backdrop of your early life on how your life unfolded and um, shifted your path to become an international speaker and founder of a company that awakens human potential. How is that journey like for you, Leanne? Oh, awesome. Thanks so much for asking. You know, I started my career really more in business. Um, I had an MBA and, and I went into the corporate world. And, you know, shortly after I was doing well, I was making really good money, but there was something calling me to do something different. And so I moved actually out of the kind of ladder up the, up the corporate uh, success ladder to uh, work at an international aid organization it's called Plan International, one of those child sponsorship agencies. And that really was amazing and it fulfilled me and I got to travel around the world and help build communities. Um, and then at one point, my husband was in Montreal and I was in Toronto, two you know, cities that are about 500 miles apart. And so I decided to move to Montreal to be with him and to start a family together. So I left that job and I, and and I thought, you know, what can I do? And I, at the time, there wasn't as much not-for-profit in, in the Montreal area unless you were fluently bilingual. And I wasn't. So I thought, well, I don't want to go back to the corporate world. I don't have as many opportunities in the not-for-profit. So why not start my own business? How, you know, kind of crazy. I didn't speak French very much. And I didn't have any network whatsoever in this community. Well, I thought, well, you know what, it would have been harder leaving. And when I had a good job, I was actually, you know, starting from scratch. So I started my own business, and I started doing business consulting. And I grew that over like 10 years, and started with really small businesses, and then became going back into large corporations. And then, you know, a whole kind of storm of things happened in the 2008, 2007, 2009 period where, first of all, the market crashed. So that affected my business. And then my husband was diagnosed with terminal cancer. So that like, you know, shifted my priorities. I had two small children at the, when he was diagnosed at five and seven years old. Hmm. So my whole life was kind of turned upside down all at once. And um, so through the, you know, from kind of 2007 all the way to 2009, a journey of trying to help my husband survive. Eventually, he unfortunately passed away of cancer. And, um, and that left me trying to like really relook at my life. And there was a point where I started to realize 
actually there was a gift in all the, the, the drama and the crisis that I had gone through. And it was the gift of, of a kind of like a blank slate because I decided to close my business after a financial challenge and my husband's illness and death. And so now I had to decide what I was going to do with the rest of my life. And I had two young kids who were really mobile. I could go to Bali if I wanted to, which I did explore and live there, or I could, you know, stay here, create something new. So I decided to really try to figure that out for myself. What was that next stage? And I was kind of excited with this idea of a blank slate. And through my process, I started going taking what I used to do for companies, helping them figure out their vision and put it on myself and say, okay, what is my strengths? What are, what is the things that I'm really good at? What are, what do I love to do? What did I do naturally? Which I used to ask companies of that. And as I started to do that, it started to percolate from within me. So often people look outside of themselves to try to figure out, Oh, that looks interesting. I'll try that. My friend Mary does this. Maybe I should try that. Whereas what I had learned in corporate consulting is you have to look at the inside of a company to be able to express its, its greatest message out to the world. It's the same with us. So I started to create that for myself and then realized that I could extend that and help others do the same thing and figure out what are their, where they really thrive. And that intersection between where your passion meets your purpose and meaning, where your expertise and your own personal journey, because we don't want to, you know, separate our professional, our personal life. We are one human being. And when mm-hmm. we can bring all that together with our talents and so forth, we can create something really amazing. And so I really use that experience to try to redefine my life and then help others to do the same. And that's what I've been doing for the last 13 years. And, and part of it was really bringing um, the spirituality that, you know, when you lose somebody, often that kind of makes you think about when someone's really close to you, where do they go? So I wanted to understand from a soul perspective, what was the purpose in in the trauma and crisis? How do I bring that into my work and be of service to Mm -hmm. others? And and then along the way, realized that personal development was, I had to become the person that aligned with the vision I wanted to create, which was to help people to live creatively, passionately, but I had to change myself to get there. And that's one of the biggest lessons the last 13 years since my husband died and developing my new company called Designing Transformation. It has to, we have to become aligned with where we want to go. We can have all the dreams and all the ideas and even all the amazing skills to get there. But if we don't change our mindset, we can't get there. So that's, that's a long way around. But <laughs> uh, no, no, no. So that actually explains the name of your company, Designing Transformation, because it's truly about um, transforming one's life, right? And making sure that it speaks to them. So designing it, tailoring it according to the individual human being, right? And I've done it so many times in my life. Like I went from corporate to not for profit. Then I went from not for profit moving cities and went into my own business, consulting business, and then changed that business to more of, um, you know, designing transformation from just, you know, uh, consulting business. And each time, you know, I had to reinvent myself. And so I really learned a lot about all the elements of having how you have to reinvent yourself. And, and I think in our day, it's so much more common. You know, previous generations stayed in one job for their whole life. They may have even 
maybe changed companies. You know, my parents' generation didn't even change companies. Right. But now these generations, it's like, you're really going to have two, three, four, five different maybe careers in your life. And the other thing too, is we want to continue working in a way that's really satisfying into our retirement or what I call refirement. And one of the worst things we can do is just shut down at 65 and, you know, close everything up because that's not good for our health and well-being either. So we have to think we're going to be transforming our life over and over and think about you and how you've transformed more than once, right? And more than once. Yes, simultaneously. <laughs> and you have had different lives within one lifetime, right? Like previous generations do that. It's so beautiful to live in this day and age where we can do that. And the world really is opened up to every everyone in different parts of the world, right? Yes. No one is just hugging information and keeping it to themselves. Everything is in YouTube. There's a DIY for, for anything and everything. So with all that information overload, then comes the, the struggle of distilling that and really finding out what is the true calling? Because you mentioned calling, right? Yes. How does one really listen? And what is really that voice that calls you? How does one, how does one figure out which voice to listen to and which voice really is the authentic one that oh, would drive that's the purpose? That's a great question. That's such a great, great question. And so what I say, first of all, is starting, as I mentioned before, is within is really trying to avoid the constant, everyone will say to you, you should be doing this, you should write a book, you should do a podcast, you should, you know, it's you should, you should, you should, or you look outside and you go, oh, that person. So it's really, you know, saying, okay, can I look more within at what really brings me alive? What is it that really makes me uh, excited? This, you know, this is really where the core of the passion is. Mm -hmm. And what would, what would be the things that I would do, not only for free, but I may pay to do. And mm -hmm. so, you know, that's really key because um, that's where the passion lies. I think about my son who um, is ended up in the army reserve, but when he was younger, he used to pay to play all army games. He would pay to do what then they ended up paying him to do, you know? So it's really when you can start to do that, but then you want to, you want to combine that with purpose because mm -hmm. passion and purpose aren't always the same, but they're, if you can find where there's a link between the two. So you, like I say often, I love skiing, but I don't have a lot of purpose in it. Maybe if I was teaching skiing, I might feel some purpose, but I really love um, inspiring people. I love uh, uh, career and business. I love um, innovation and leadership and it brings meaning to me. So that's where I have that two things that combine together to really help me feel engaged and alive in my work. That's, so those, that's the first step. Right. I think personally, just listening to you, I'm thinking, oh, my God, that's kind of maybe where it's a little bit of a problem with me because I I get excited a lot with a lot of things. <laughs> and I'm thinking I'm excited with this one and I'm excited with that one. Which one am I really super excited about? But uh, awesome. And that's a typical entrepreneur, really a typical trait of an entrepreneur. So it's, I call it a multi-passionista or one of my <laughs> oh, I like it. <laughs> You're a multi-passionista. And, and I, I, 
a lot, so many of my clients are, are entrepreneurs or, or want to be entrepreneurs. And that tends to be a common trait. And I, I was mentioning this to a woman, a potential client today, same thing, because a lot of people who are very specialists, they really like to dive deep into content. Yes. Um, it may be an IT person, they may be um, an accountant, whatever. They're not necessarily designed to be an entrepreneur. They could be, but it's more the multi-passionistas that are, are more generalists. <laughs> I've never really and, heard that, but I like it. <laughs> yeah. It's and, and what you think, that's where innovation, it's, it's where it's one of the things we have to know about ourselves because a lot of people who are very generalists, they get down on themselves because they start this, they start that and maybe don't finish these things. I'm not saying that about you, but a lot of people that are generalists are like that. And they go, just if I could be knew exactly my niche or my little thing. Right. And I say, well, that's your strength is your generalist. The fact that you are that because you can see patterns and bring things together that nobody else brought together, you know? And you know what? So uh, I heard uh, Elon Musk, it's the same. He knows enough, obviously, to be able to really have that meaningful, intense dialogue with, you know, the, the scientists and the astronauts and the inventors, etc. But, but then again, have all these information and knowledge about other aspects as well, that um, makes him kind of a jack of all trades, but uh, yeah. on a super yeah. high steroid level right <laughs> that's it exactly but it's it's really important that you know it and you leverage that so if you're not like that and you're a specialist so this is one of the things i kind of help people in my thrive zone is identify their natural way of working and that's one of the characteristics one sorry one quadrant i would say is being what i call a starter someone who's a generalist loves to start things um, who's very creative and if they had an hour to spend they would be spending it on ideas and innovation and creative like elon musk it sounds like you as well and like me that's who that's who i am they're generalist now a very opposite type of person is somebody who loves to do deep research into and things and of course you can see yourself in all the quadrants, but you will see yourself resonating in one more than another. And so that specialist loves to be that expert, really deep, deep expert, and like to go really deep. As you mentioned, Elon is more a breadth and at higher level. The other person goes deep and doesn't have right. breadth. You know? Right. And then there's, there's two, if I just go to other types of people, they're ones who are connectors. They can, they love connecting people and they're, they would, if they had an hour, they would only spend just being with people. Hey, did you know such and such? Can and then the fourth one is a, is a builder, someone who loves to take the ideas of a starter and put processes together and structures and build, you know, businesses and take that idea and actually execute. So we have to know where our biggest strength is and maybe where our second one is to help us. Really I, I agree with you. Um, finding your strength and, and really utilizing that and how you describe the quadrant way back. Uh, we did this um, Kobe, Kobe assessment. Have you heard? Uh, yeah, of, I, have. I don't know it, but I've heard of it. Yeah. Yeah. So it, it talks about the quick start, the fact finder. Um, oh. And so, so also for major, major ones. Uh, and, and once you find out your, your strength, then, um, then you just 
try to find someone that would complement it and build also, they also have a questionnaire or like an assessment for a team. So then uh, the synergy of the team will have the right components of strengths and traits and, and skill sets to make it into a real robust and, and effective, optimal uh, a team. Yeah. <laughs> That's exactly what you need. And the also for you to, to realize people get down on themselves because they're not one of the other quadrants. I'm not a specialist or I start a lot of things and I don't finish, but that's what you're good at. If you're a generalist and you're an idea person, that's what you're here to do. And don't get down on yourself because you're maybe not doing X, Y, or Z. Leanne, thank you so much uh, for that because I have been beating myself. (laughs) We all do it. A lot of different uh, coaches in my show, but you're the only one that basically said, you know what? It's okay. It's okay to be a generalist. <laughs> it's, it's actually part of your superpower. And if we started to recognize that I like more, that. You know, to, and, and not to say that someone's a specialist, that's their superpower. Like it's right. to really be, and this is one of the big, one of my passions, one of the things I think is really a challenge with the world and, and especially corporate and business and jobs is you get kind of pigeonholed into something and that may not be who you are. You may even love the topic. Let's say you're, you're in fashion, you love fashion and you, you, you know, you're working for a fashion company, whatever, but you're an innovator. And I've had this actually with a retailer client uh, who did fashion retail and she was that starter. And she was great at the beginning of that business when it was starting for the first 10 years, she was amazing innovative, but then she just really peaked and she, couldn't continue and her career started to snowball down or go downhill and and it was really affecting her confidence it affected so much and when we went through this realized that she needs to find another company that she can start and grow and then you know move on she can't get it to that next level and there are other people who can't start but can Mm -hmm. get it to the next level and that's where we lose a lot of our confidence and we start to not keep moving forward because we misinterpret what our strengths are Right, right. So now that explains this other venture (laughs) that I'm actually in the middle of uh, hopefully launching soon. But that explains that I had to like uh, satisfy the itch. (laughs) Yeah, yeah, exactly. So so, uh, in your company, you talked about inspiring people to, um, to have a fulfilling life and have them realize their dreams. How does that equate into actionable steps on how one can fulfill, have a fulfilling and meaningful life? Right. That's so good. Great question. You know, it's really about when, and and you obviously are living this, when you are living your passion and your purpose and something that really is exciting for you, it creates kind of a ripple effect. You, you know, you are as happy on Monday morning as you are on Friday, right. like a truly rounded, balanced person loves Friday, maybe that they're able to kick off their shoes and the end of the day, have a glass of wine, whatever, and, and see family over the weekend. That's awesome. But they're also excited on Monday to get working, or maybe they do a bit of work on the weekend. But you know what I mean? They're equally. And when you have that, you you resonate out a, a consciousness and a, and a vibration of joy, of appreciation ideally in service, you know, and I I say service, meaning you're doing something that you feel is part of something good. It doesn't have to be this massive thing. It could be for your core family. It could be for your community. It could be for the globe at at large. But when you feel you're doing something good, it really helps you to 
um, feel feel good about what you're doing and have longevity around it. And there's some great research that says when you're connected to your passion and purpose, that you, you live longer, you live healthier. Um, there's so much research. There's a, a book by, um, that I can't remember his last name, but it's called The Blue Zones. And he looked at the places where in the world where they had lived to 100 on a much higher level than anywhere else. And they were healthy. And he found that there were nine things in common of these, these blue zones. There was a place in Costa Rica, a place in Greece, and so forth. Japan, and, um, right? Also. Japan, you've heard of that, right? And mm -hmm. so there were, there was things like living healthy and so forth. But one of, one of the top nine elements was having a purpose in your life. Right. So a meaning, you know, it could be with your grandchildren. It could be having a small business, whatever that is. It's so important. But when we talk about kind of concrete steps, what I like to kind of help people realize it's it's like a roadmap. It just doesn't like all of a sudden you wake up and here I am and I've got my clarity and I'm doing it. Right. And it's taken me years to kind of work this process out because I started with the thrive zone, trying to figure out, look, like I mentioned before, working from within, understanding the passion and purpose. But what I found a lot of people got stuck is they didn't line up their mindset and their consciousness with where they wanted to go. And that's mm -hmm. a key piece. When you don't believe that you deserve, there's like a total pandemic of unworthiness in our world. People don't feel worthy. They don't feel that they can do it because they don't believe they, you know, deserve, they deserve to be happy. They don't necessarily, be, and this comes from the deep psychology of where they, you know, how they were brought up, the society mm -hmm. they were in, the culture, and so forth. So when you don't even believe you deserve something, you can imagine it, you can have all the skills. But until you work through that, I am, you know, I am, I, I am worthy. And just by virtue of being alive, not because I worked so hard, and I did this, or whatever, as a human being on this planet, we're all worthy. And if we right. all could know our worth, and our value, we wouldn't be competing with one another to try to show I'm more worthy or, you know, that comes from a lack perspective. So it's that mindset that's so critical and working through some of these ba uh, barriers that really get us stuck. And there's some very common ones that we all have. And it's not like, you know, I'm better than you or whatever that one has got over them. It's like our life journey to mm -hmm. overcome these. And that's a really key part. So some of the sound bites that I heard, that if we connected together, um, I, I heard higher purpose. I heard uh, fuel, you know, fueling, um, you know, because you know your, your calling, um, mm -hmm. longevity, you know, now, because if you find your purpose, it seems like once you do your inner work and you find your purpose and you know that there's a higher um higher calling, higher purpose, because it's for, um, for other people, let's say a mission uh, yeah. that you have, right, then it fuels you to, to sustain that energy yeah. to continue and arrive at the destination <laughs> that you want, because you can always start. But if, if your passion is not the true passion, and it's not strong enough, it's not really going to fuel you to that to that real you know purpose right so passion purpose so you talked about passion you talked about purpose and i think to make it more meaning meaningful is the progress piece right passion purpose 
progress because you're progressing. <laughs> you like alliterations like I do. <laughs> and prosperity is key too, right? That's right. how we need to keep it. And uh, this is something that when I first met you, we had a bit of a, a discussion about because I think it's so important that we can't right now live on this planet without some sort of form of money or income or whatever. But often when we try to move into our passion from something and we do it dramatically, sometimes it works, but the vast majority, it puts us in a lack perspective. And that comes back to the mindset again, because we need that new passion project to feed us. We need it to pay the bill mortgage, to help us with our kids or whatever. And when our new project needs to do that right away, we don't give it enough space to learn, to grow from it, to, to make our mistakes, you know, like if we're creating a side gig or a business or whatever. But when we actually do um, do it as the side thing and we're actually working, making some money and doing something on the side, that helps us a lot. Not to say everybody has to do it that way, but what, or if we have a little bit of savings or we, you know, we're married and maybe we can, you know, live off another person's income for a while where we don't have that feeling like I've got to get this up and running in two months and I have to make a whole bunch of money. That is the death knoll for your kind of project. Yeah. Oh, a hundred percent. Money is part of the equation. If we're trying to go holistic and, and looking at the totality of a person, we can't just be all, let's say, mental or spiritual or, or what have you, right? It has to have all that balanced component. Otherwise, then the person gets stuck, right? Yes. Then the person doesn't exactly. evolve. Then it doesn't really progress to the degree. So I agree with you. That's all integral uh, part of the piece uh, that needs to be meshed uh, in the equation. I agree. Uh, so let's talk about roadblocks. I know that uh, some of your contents really, um, you know, have a lot of uh, tips on uh, uncovering the roadblocks and maybe ways to overcome those. Yeah, for sure. So first is being able to identify, you know, kind of the most common ones, the ones that you get, you know, you might get stuck with. So, you know, let's talk about money. Money is one. And the fear around not having enough money and abundance mindset, that can be a real mind. And, and our consciousness around money comes from our upbringing. It comes from how hard it was for us to earn first love. You know, if, if our parents were really didn't give us a lot of love or sometimes gave us love, and that is, a, is usually this, what set us for how we actually see earning because we had to uh -huh. earn our love. We had to learn affection. We had to learn attention. Same thing as school and our colleagues, or not our colleagues, but our peers at school. If we had to fight every tooth and nail. We, it may indicate how we are about feeling, is this an abundant world or is it very much a world of lack? And so when we can start to look at our, our life and see from where we came from and wh what kind of consciousness we live in uh -huh. and how we see, see money, you know, one of the things I ask people to do is to just take a second and close their eyes and just say to themselves and just kind of tap into their body and say the words, I love money. I love money. And when they do that, see what comes up for them. And a lot of people go, <gasps> Oh, I feel greedy. I feel, you know, and that tells you right away. Okay. I actually have a relationship that I need to fix with money because money yeah. isn't good or bad. It can be used for both. 
it's just energy, right? And it's an energy exchange. But if you really like feel money is bad, how are you going to attract it? If you feel that people will, you know, be jealous of me because I have a lot of money, how are you going to attract it? Because you don't want people to be jealous. So you have to be able to tap into that's one area that your consciousness around money and and work on on healing that. So, through, so let's you know, say there are those that um, that there are those that have uh, a little bit of that love hate relationship with money, or those that um, have those limiting beliefs with money. How do you then help them? Uh, get unstuck with that. Sure. So, you know, there's like a short version of that answer and there's months long, you know, it's like anything we have, you, some, some of our challenges are short and some of them are medium and some of them are lifetime challenges. Right. And I, just to diverge for a second to explain that often when I work with clients, they'll say to me something like, Oh, you know, my, my, my boss is this, that, and the other thing. And then, and I'll say, well, just let's step back for a second and say, does that boss, is there someone in your life in your past or, or currently that's very similar to the experiences you're having with your boss? Oh yeah, that's my father. My father was exactly like that. So, so what is it that's there? And that's some lifetime learning that you keeps coming up. Like I'm not good enough. I have to prove myself. I have to, you know, whatever it might be, I need boundaries. That's a big one. You know, my dad never respected my boundaries. I didn't learn boundaries and my boss is, is overstepping my boundaries. And so is my best friend. And by the way, so is my, my husband. And you go, okay, here is a lifelong lesson that you can't expect to fix overnight, but now you're aware of it. And so right. what can you do about that? And so one of the things I do is I try to help people with um, kind of like um, a process. It's first pause, whenever something comes up and you're triggered, it's like, say, let's say, for example, in that case was my boss. Okay, I, I do know that I have an issue with boundaries. I've kind of worked a little bit with that. But let me just stop when I'm getting triggered because that person's overstepping my boundaries. So pause, just you know, take that objective view rather than getting into it and triggered and reacting. And then say, okay, now can I set an intention for how I might want to mm. interact with that? So, you know, so you pause and you take intention. Okay, so what I'd like to do is not be triggered. Okay, so that's okay. I, I don't want to be triggered, but I feel it. So maybe I, you know, um, I will do an action. That's the next thing. My action will be I will step out, calm myself down. Maybe I need to go for a cry in the, in the bathroom because I need to get it up. Maybe I need to talk to my friend who I rely on. So that's an action that I can take. Or maybe I don't need to do anything. It's a non-action. So I pause, I take an intention, I do an action or non-action. And then I see it's my reaction. What happened? If once I stepped out of the room, I went for my cry, I spoke to the, I waited a day to go back to my, my boss and to talk to him or her and say, you know what, what happened then? I really think that I, I need, you know, to respect each other's boundaries or however. And then you go through the whole thing again. How did that person react? Did they react really badly? Okay, now I need to pause again set a new intention, mm. a new action and a new reaction. So it's that kind of continual working on myself, but stepping away with self-awareness. I like, I like that piece, especially on the intention, because, you know, people are always uh, told, you know, take um, deep breaths and, uh, you know, pause. So you hear that a lot, but, but I think injecting that next step of intention yeah. So if your intention and knowing your values, let's say your value is um, peace, right? Peace, freedom, et cetera. Then the action 
will emanate from the intention that preceded it, you know, that, exactly. that, um, that you invoked even yes. you know, internally. Right. So I think exactly. that that's, that's powerful. I like that. Uh, yeah. I also yeah. like the piece where you talked about the blueprints in making a soulful business. I think that's profound. Uh, so what are some high level um, steps to, to build a soulful business? Okay, great, great question. So one of the things that is, um, is as we talked already about, which is really getting to know who you are, what your expression, I call that the thrive zone, working through your mindset and awareness and aligning with your potential. Then it's the, then you, if you come out of that and you say, you know what, I'd really like to start a business versus a lot of people say, I would like to expand in my career, get to the next level. But let's say you, now you want to start a business or you want to expand your business. Then there's really some key steps. And um, the first one is really dreaming about it is imagining. Now, this is hard to do when you haven't done the first couple of steps. If it's, it, you can still dream, but I find so many clients when I start to say, what would you really love to do? And what would, they'll say something and immediately they'll say why they can't do it. Right. Immediately. And it's like two sides of their hand. Oh, I love to, you know, do retreats, but I can't do that because, you know, I don't have a certification in yoga or whatever it might be. Right. It's this immediate. So you have to work on the first part a little bit so that you can at least dream without getting interrupted and edited constantly. And we're and and part of that dream is keeping it as like a baby that you would nurture and not necessarily share with everyone because the minute you share it with some people, then they say, well, you can't do that. Even if you haven't said that to yourself, someone else may have said it to you. You know, how can you ever make money doing that? That's not possible. Can't tell you the number. Right, right, right. That's also my challenge, not sharing. <laughs> but, yeah. but I've heard a lot that would say, if you, uh, if you share, then um, instead of the potency of the dream, uh, to be this much, it shrinks yeah. it a little bit, it dissipates yeah. it a little bit uh, yes. because of the other person's energy. May yeah. it be jealousy, may it be envy, may it be negativity or what have you. It dissipates or totally it not seeing your vision, not being who you are and seeing that vision. And that's really critical people. And, and sometimes it's your spouse. So it's hard, you know, it's not, it's not about hiding something. It's not about not, you know, wanting the competitors to see it. It's about really protecting that idea, like this fragile egg that you want to make it into something that's enough that you feel confident when it goes out there and someone hates it, it calls your baby ugly. You're okay with that. And you'll still continue moving forward. So there's uh, so I've read that too. And then I'm thinking, oh my God, it's all these school of thoughts Again, because now there are some that says that, right? Because of the energy and whatnot. And others that would say, uh, you do it so then you hold yourself accountable or people then would hold you accountable to whatever it is that you um, that you shared with them. So I don't know. You can, where, do also. You can this, this is the funny thing is there's paradox, right? And I believe right. what, do the, the second part is to, to find someone that you trust. Mm. And maybe you need to ask that person. Mm. Okay. I am, I'm going to share this with you either to get your feedback. If you think it's somebody that would be, it may not be a relative. It may be someone very good in business or in a certain area that you are interested in. That's really going to give you some objective and hopefully supporting ideas, not 
just crush you. There's that part. And then you may have somebody else who's maybe a close friend that you trust. Say, listen, I would love to share with this with you, not for your feedback, but for your accountability. By me mm-hmm. voicing this to you, and probably if you have some like-minded friends who really get that, you know, like I want to lose weight. So I'm going to tell you, and this is my goal. And, uh, and then you, you're held accountable for it, right? So this is where you can actually do both, but it's, you don't want to be suggesting that to people who are going to say, well, Leanne, you'll never lose weight. You've never done it before. You've never been successful. I got to pick the right people that I'm going to share that with. That's going to nurture me. Right. You know, there's, there's a lot of truth uh, in that, you know, just listening to you because somehow then you're off, you're letting your mind think of whatever it is though. Cause I was just thinking of myself. I know me, whatever you say, that's well and good, but I'm going to follow me and I know me, et cetera. However, I think where that then is important is though, because you've done your inner work and you know, right. And you have that self-mastery thing, just the fact that you allowed it to be assessed in your brain <laughs> and it occupied, you know, some time and you allowed it to kind of sit in your brain is where perhaps they're suggesting not to the degree, you know what I mean? Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, it can just bring up doubt and that can create, but it's really, like you said, it's, you, you know yourself. So one project you might feel very confident, no matter what someone says, they're never going to deter you. And there's going to be other projects that you have more of a sensitivity to, and you know, you're pushing yourself out of your comfort zone. And all you need is someone to tell you it's not right. Hard. Right. And you go so back there's to your comfort that. zone. There's a- right? <laughs> There's also and it that, depends like, on, I just want to prove you wrong. <laughs> yeah, exactly. I want to prove that. But if you're really in your comfort zone and you really need pushing out of it, yeah, you might need some accountability, but you might not want someone who's going to say, no, that's never going to work, you know? But, so, um, so that is soulful business, meaning really, really digging inside of you. So then you're doing it out of passion. It's what makes you alive and going through that work to really know yeah, what and, that is. Mm-hmm. And I wanted to answer the rest of the question because I started with dream and it's like, that's the first part, but then it's defining and I'll just really go quickly, but defining what it is, you know, that you are mm. meant to do. Right. So it's about how are you unique? What is your offering and how what is your unique contribution to the world? Who are those people that you want to serve? Who are your you know, tribe that you really love working with as clients as, and so forth? And so really defining that, what you're going to be doing. Am I going to be doing podcasts? Am I going to do, um, you know, create products? Am I going to do both? Whatever, you know, defining. And then it's designing. Then the, the third step is really designing that. Okay, so what does that look like? How, what are my products? What is my, if I'm developing a course, whatever that might be. And then it's developing it. So I then for me, you know, if I'm developing a course, I have to record it, I have to develop all the content. And then it's deploying, launching it, doing marketing around it and all that stuff. And then it's sustaining and continuing to grow it. So those are kind of that, that blueprint that, most businesses, if they're successful, they go through those stages where some of them start in the middle and try to go all right into development. They haven't done the work on themselves, know it's coming from themselves, done their own mindset, dreamt mm-hmm. of what's possible, designed it according to that, that uh, idea and created a blueprint and then started to develop it based on that. So that's kind of the high level. So dream, design, develop, right? And sustain. 
Uh, and deploy okay. and sustain. Yeah, exactly. Deploying and sustain. All the Ds. <laughs> All the Ds. Hey, um, thank you so much for sharing with me your award-winning book, which is oh. um, Love Will Keep Us Alive. Yes, I like that title. <laughs> um, thank you. And it's about awakening, deep yes. awakening and the alchemy of love. That's so profound. So um, if you could touch a uh, high level on what the book is about and how one could, um, how could one find value uh, with their life journey reading that book? No, oh, thank you. Thank you for asking. So Love Will Keep Us Alive was is the title of the book and it's based on um, my journey. But in particular, when my husband and I met each other, we were like twin flames pulled together. And if anyone's been in that relation, kind of relationship, it's like magnets you can't pull apart. And it's often very tumultuous. And at the time, the Eagles had come out with this song, Love Will Keep Us Alive, even when we're hungry. You know, that, that idea that if, if all we have is love, we'll be able to get through it. And so over many years of struggle, we finally did get together. And then um, so then when we got married in Bali, we exchanged rings ah. and in the rings were love will keep us alive we're engraved those were our vows and it was the first love song it. of course that we we danced over the Indian Ocean um you know when we got married but it was also the last words that he said to me when he passed away and he said more love more love and it was like I thought okay what was that about and so that was the start of my next journey to find out what was he meaning by more love and, you know, through my process and just trying to find him and where he went and connect with him. And I learned to really awaken spiritually and to my purpose as I was trying to discover and, you know, read books and follow gurus and all those kind of things and, you know, really come back to myself. I realized that um, that love will not only keep us alive when there's nothing else and it's the most important thing but love alivens us to life it brings that energy it brings that ignition it's the love of our work it's the love of others that we want to share and it brings that energy it's that passion part of things and what I found with my twin flame was that he was just like a mirror for me reflecting uh, the love that most of us don't see in ourselves that really being able to see in another someone who cherishes you and all you are even with everything you know you were not perfect and when you see that love reflected you recognize and so I recognize in some ways it was absent in me and so when it because I didn't see didn't love myself and have the worthiness for myself that I should and like all of us should because when we come from that self-love not narcissistic love but really loving and cherishing ourself, then we can give that to another. So I saw that reflected in him, but when he passed, then it was like gone. It's like, where is it? And I was searching for it. So in searching for it helped me to really discover it within myself. Because really without you discovering it within yourself, you're always searching, you're always needy for the other one to fill that hole that's where we break boundaries with other people we get we want the other to do this we then become conditional love instead of unconditional love i love you no matter what you do you know and so that was very that my story is very much about um, that finding love through him and then losing it and then having to discover it again with me and then that was a very much the catalyst for finding my passion and purpose in my life 
Thank you uh, for sharing that, uh, Leanne. That is beautiful. Uh, you know, finding that true love that I think some would take so many lifetimes, you know, to find it. Yeah. And, and, yeah. and you found it. So I think even the term twin flames is not so mainstream. When I was writing the book, I you'd Google twin flame, you could find nothing. Nothing. Back then, nothing. 13 years ago. And so this was all channeled. And now I read it everywhere. I'm like, this is interesting. So, it, you know, this was parallel information coming through me, coming through others. And I, there was no, I never ever did any research on the stuff that I put in my book on twin flames. And yet now you can do research and see all the same stuff. And I'm not saying they got it from me. It's just, it was parallel information coming down on this planet. It's, it's sort of controversial because though the person involved feels that intense, unexplainable connection, then there's also a piece of that where a lot of people are debunking it because it seems to imply destiny. Like you are um, allowing yourself to just say that, you know, there is such a thing as, well, you're, you're destined uh, to be together. You're part of this. It's a soul, um, one soul in an eternal flame that got split, thus the twin flame. And finding that other soul is supposed to be um, the missing link, the last piece of the puzzle to make you whole, right? So it's so beautiful kind and of. so profound. Yeah. And um, and then there's that destiny piece where a lot of people are saying, eh, it's a, it's a fairy tale. I would love to even do another podcast with you just on the whole thing about twin flames. And, you know, I think it's something that we're starting to learn, but was so funny because when you were talking and it was 444 here in, in where I am in Montreal and 444 is my number with my husband oh every my time. God. And, you know, like in, from my, I, I'm a fourth birth number. I'm born on the fourth month. He is also, we're both fourth children in a lineup. Our, our son is a, his fourth. I mean, on and on and on. He even died on the fourth. Four is a big number. And when I look at the clock and four, 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 I know it's him coming through. And when you were saying that, it was four, four, oh four. My God. <laughs> so how, how, how do you then say that there's no such thing, right? You know, uh, Leanne, I have a, a synchronicity log, right? Because no, every time that I think it's like that, you know what I mean? There's things that are just, I can't explain it, but somehow it has meaning. And now I think I'm on 400. You know what I mean? I yeah. have all these things that are just... another four. <laughs> Aha! Not only that, I'm also the fourth child, right? <laughs> There you go. That's but, uh, so funny. Yes, I think there needs to be another segment on Twin Flame only because also there are, there's a certain pocket of people that are truly intrigued in that because mm -hmm. of, of something burning that they just can't seem to put their finger yeah. on. And yeah. I don't know, there are some that are maybe out there and saying things about it, but really not an authority because maybe it's not really it. But hey, yeah. having more um, having more voice and an angle 
to it. And it's up to the individual, you know, to kind of make of course, up yeah. their own, right? Yeah, so and, so- and it's like, like, I would love to do I just to answer very quickly, your, which is a big conversation, it's something that I'm always evolving and learning, is the idea between destiny and your free will. Yes. And I think that my belief is, and this is kind of what I explored with my husband, because I learned to communicate with him on the other side. And that was how I wrote my, a lot of my book. And he's channeled through my book. And, uh, and I asked him a lot of these questions. And, you know, again, we can get into more detail another time. But the idea is that um, the idea of destiny versus uh, free will is that when we come down here, there are some things that we've wanted to achieve, experience, uh, learn, grow, whatever it might be, serve. And so in some ways we have some circumstances, we say, you know what, that would be the great ingredients in my life that would help me to, let's say I need to learn compassion, you know? So I, I might actually choose parents who are not, very compassionate worthy mm, <laughs> and as I, as I live that life I learned either uncompassion or I learned compassion right and so um, there are these circumstances these ingredients but doesn't mean we make the cake the way the recipe said it absolutely had to do so it's not we have free will at any time and that's where I believe with my husband and what, one of the things with my book is I saw past lives so I saw many times when we didn't quite get it right and we tried in different different eras and different things that happened. Ah! <laughs> <laughs> and and the thing about twin flames is that the energy of twin flames versus I believe versus soul soul mates um, is that the twin flame energy wherever it comes from. We can have another conversation about it. Is that it's more about co-creating and the opportunity to co-create and to awaken spiritually. And soulmates are a lot more about you know, the third dimension, helping us through this lifetime, enjoying life, learning lessons and stuff like that, overcoming some things we've had in the past. It's not as much that idea of this is the person I'm going to awaken and he's going to help me co, you know, really co-create my life and my awakening with. So it's a little bit different kind of purpose in the two of them. And that ties into uh, your designing transformation, which is about purpose finding one purpose. And with Twin Flame, they're saying that's what really differentiates Twin Flame from any other energetic type of um, relationship, right? From from soulmates and to, you know, the other types. Twin Flames is about that intense connection that propels both of you. Yes. And um, to get into that higher purpose, your calling, and you also touched on calling. So what is it really that you want to bring uh, to the world? So it almost yeah. ties into really with, with, with what you do. Uh, so I am so looking forward to, to really get into, um, you know, the nitty gritty uh, of your book. Uh, so, so, uh, so Leanne, for our audience out there who wants to know more about, you know, awakening their, their potential, right? And discovering roadblocks and all that good stuff. How can they reach you? What is the best way for them to reach you? Oh, thank you for asking. The best way, you can go onto my website, designingtransformation.com, or you can contact me at Leanne, L-I-A-N-N-E, at designingtransformation.com. 
Uh, either one of those is great. I have all my contact information on my website. Uh, so you have been very generous in, in sharing your uh, your wealth uh, of expertise. Really such a pleasure. Thank you. And for all the dreamers out there, keep believing. You got this. Till next time.